It's time to eat. Get in my belly. Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Ross Tucker and Joe Dolan. On the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast. Yeah, let's eat, baby. It is the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast and our first podcast with the number one ranked fantasy analyst in the world, according to fantasypros.com, which went back and looked at all of the 2018 advice given in the draft guides. My guy, Joe Dolan, we are presented by betonline.ag. Just go to betonline.ag and use the promo code podcast1 for the 50% welcome bonus. They are your online sportsbook experts. We are, of course, giving away yet another NFL Game Pass. It's very easy to get NFL Game Pass, okay? Here is my advice. Number one, make sure you're following Brian on Twitter at RTF Podcast or me at Ross Tucker NFL. And when he tweets about it, retweet or quote tweet to automatically be entered. And then you have to listen to the podcast when I say your name because we've had people win the first couple weeks and both of them haven't gotten back to me yet. So you have until the episode the next week to claim it. Otherwise, I'll give it to somebody else. I'll just keep giving it to other people. NFL Game Pass, $100. By the way, NFL Game Pass, legit amazing. I love it. You can watch every preseason game live. You can go back and watch games. I went back and watched Vikings against the Cardinals just to see how Dalvin Cook looked. It was a nice job by Garrett Bradbury, Rashad Hill, getting up to the next level. And you can have a free trial, seven-day trial now. So try it out for the preseason games in week four by signing up at NFL.com slash Fantasy Feast Eaton. E-A-T-I-N. NFL.com slash Fantasy Feast Eaton. Make sure you retweet when Brian posted on Twitter at RTF Podcast or when I do at Ross Tucker NFL when we post about Game Pass and you can win the free entry. This week, the winner is... How about Bill Ricchetti? Bill Ricchetti says... He keeps doing the seven-day free trial with different usernames, different credit cards. He loves it, but doesn't have the money for it. So, boom. There you go now, Bill. Congratulations. You are the winner. Just email me, ross at rostucker.com, and I will let you know exactly how to get the code, how to win. Before we get to Joe's thoughts on drafting tips... I want to make sure that you are all aware of the drafting tips that come to us via the Sleeper app. So awesome. It's a top 20 sports app. In fact, it's the number one rated fantasy app on both iOS and Android. Juju Smith-Schuster has a league. He's hosting a league. He's playing. There's other famous people on it playing. There's infinite customizations, sick draft boards. The design of the app, wow. You can see why it's number one rated app. Totally legit. Why not at least download the app? 
Check it out. It is the Sleeper app. Don't sleep on the Sleeper app because it is awesome. Almost as awesome as my guy, Joe Dolan, and his drafting tips. All right, so Joe, we mentioned yesterday in the show with Evan, we talked about the Fantasy Pros rankings. I did just want to get some some clarity. What exactly, because I'm sure people are like, oh, it's awesome. And I posted that on Twitter as well. What are those? What are those based upon, just so people know? I would love to tell you that, Ross, but what I do is I, I, po- I post my, uh, my rankings into Fantasy Pros. It's a nice, shiny system where we just kind of take our names and we post them uh, uh, up there at Fantasy Pros, and they use a fancy algorithm to kind of relate them to, uh, to where guys end up finishing at the end of the year. And it just so happens that the rankings I've used the last few years have finished really strongly. Number one overall in pre-draft rankings in 2015. Number one overall in pre-draft rankings in 2018. We had a top 25 finish in between there, another top five finish in between there. And uh, so I, what I guess the the fantasy pros has determined is I'm really good at sorting through and deciding which of these guys are worth drafting, where they're going to finish. And and it, it's a really nice increase for my following, for sure, Ross. But I, I think I just use a really practical approach to ranking. I don't know exactly what their algorithm is. Somebody from Fantasy Pros would be able to tell you that better than me. Uh, but it seems to like my ranking, so I like their algorithm, whatever it is. Got it. All right. Well, I, I like that you like their algorithm, and I like that you're the number one ranked guy, and you're now the co-host of the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast. So let's dive into it. What are sort of your – I know some people have already had their drafts, but a lot of people still haven't. Um, what are your go-to tips for people as they begin their draft process You know, this week or next? Well, if we're going to just get into a like, I don't want to say beginner, because I think if you're listening to this podcast, you aren't necessarily a beginner in fantasy football. But this year, Ross, one of the things I've noticed over the last couple of weeks when I've been doing my redraft leagues is I really want to get a couple of wide receivers I feel good about at the top of my draft. And I actually really like picking at the end of the first round in a 12-team league because I feel like I can get two wide receivers I feel good about and then fill in the blanks elsewhere at the running back position. Um, And some would say that's a zero RB approach. I don't really see it that way. I think if you go zero running back, you're going extreme. You're loading up on receiver. You're loading up on tight end. And you're almost, for lack of a better term, ignoring the running back position until late. I don't necessarily like doing that. But what I'm saying is I like so much the running backs who are going in the third and fourth round range. If, if, if you're talking about Aaron Jones, uh, on Johnson started to slide into the, the late second round. But Leonard Fournette, Mark Ingram, Devontae Freeman, Damian Williams, Chris Carson, pick the name out of this group that you like better. And I will tell you, Ross, I feel good about having one of those guys as my number one running back if I end up with two of my top eight wide receivers on the board. And my top eight wide receivers are, and I'm sure this is very similar to what Evans were, Devontae Adams, DeAndre Hopkins, Julio Jones, Michael Thomas, Odell Beckham, Juju Smith-Schuster, Tyreek Hill, and Mike Evans. If I can get two of those eight wide receivers, 
and pair them with one of those running backs that I just mentioned, who's well, those running backs probably considered more of a high end too. I've actually liked my teams more at the end of the first round than if I picked, say, a Joe Mixon and a Michael Thomas and then ended up taking a, a receiver or another running back in the second round. I just really like having those two hammer wide receivers and then getting one of those third round running backs. I actually feel like that's my favorite way to build a team this year. So if you're picking at the end of the first round, getting those two wide receivers, I feel like ha has given me some of my more attractive teams this year. Wow. Okay. That's interesting. Um, give me a, give me a few more. Okay, well, I, Ross, this is this is going to be news to nobody, but I never draft my number one ranked overall quarterback. And my number one ranked quarterback this year is Patrick Mahomes. I think it's pretty obvious why. Just Deshaun Watson's right behind him, but my number one's Patrick Mahomes. And I never draft that guy. I have to rank him one because it would be foolish not to rank him highly. But I never draft him because it just seems people always overrate them. The quarterback position has taken a hit. No doubt about it. You might have heard about this luck guy. Yeah, he retired. Well, that's taken a hit, Ross, uh, the quarterback position. But it's still absurdly deep. I've got Lamar Jackson at 13. Russell Wilson at 14. Jameis Winston at 15. Got some guy by the name of Tom Brady I have ranked number 19. Now, anybody who knows fantasy understands why I would have a guy like Tom Brady or Phillip Rivers ranked 19th or 20th at the quarterback position. They don't do a whole lot of running. They're not giving you upside with their legs. They're, they're probably more efficient. In the case of Rivers, the Chargers didn't run a whole lot of plays last year. They ran under 60 per game, which is low for fantasy. But if you look at it anecdotally and you look at the fact that Wait a minute. You have Tom Brady ranked that low. It just goes to show you how deep the quarterback position is. And we talk about this in fantasy baseball, the term of positional scarcity. The quarterback position this year is the opposite. If you need to draft only one quarterback, you there are so many options for you to draft that it just totally makes sense to draft a running back receiver or tight end over the quarterback position when you're drafting in the early rounds. There is going to come a point where, all right, I got Cam Newton at number six. I really like where he's going in the eighth round. But I think drafting the quarterback early at the expense of another position when there are so many good options is a foolish, foolish plan uh, because you need to build depth at those positions like running back and receiver where you're starting more than one guy. Yeah, I think most people... I, I would hope get that at this point. I guess my question though is when do you know when it is time to pull the trigger on a quarterback? You know, like, well, I mean, I, I know it varies based on the draft, but mm -hmm. give me a scenario or two. Okay. So let, let's, I do so many best ball drafts, Ross, in the off season that it, it really becomes a feel out process. And what I do is everybody has a list of targets when they go into a draft, whether you have a physical list of targets or whether you have a, 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 a theoretical list of targets that you have filed away in your head or you, you put them on your little queue list in the draft software. When my targets are exhausted and say I'm in the seventh round and the best receiver 
on the board is somebody like Dante Pettis, who has been getting a lot of negative camp reports. The best running back on the board is Rashad Penny, who hasn't been getting a whole lot of positive reports. You've already drafted your tight end. Say you drafted Hunter Henry in the fifth round, and you're sitting there in the seventh, eighth round, and you don't like anybody at receiver. Uh, I kind of like Deshaun Jackson, but I think he'll be available in the ninth round. I kind of like Kalen Balage, but I think he'll be available in the tenth round. Just, just for some examples. And then you go to the quarterback position and you go to the quarterback tab and say, you know what? Baker Mayfield's sitting there. Carson Wentz is sitting there. Aaron Rodgers is sitting there. I think I have a difference maker. And on top of that, the difference makers at the other positions are expired. I don't think I'm really getting a difference maker at this spot. All my targets are gone. That's when I pull the trigger on a quarterback. It's almost always Ross towards the double digit rounds for me in a 12 team league. But it, it's sometimes it'll be earlier than that if all my targets have been exhausted. And it's really kind of a feel process that you get when you're doing a lot of these drafts. I understand that might be hard for those of you who have like one or two drafts. But everybody knows when you look at the draft board and you kind of go, that's kind of gross. That when that happens, then then I go to the quarterback tab and then I'll make a selection. Got it. OK. Um, what other tips do we have? Give me another one. Okay, so one thing everybody loves to know, Ross, uh, no, I I get this question all the time on Twitter. When do I draft a defense and how do I draft one? We have, I have defense rankings up at fantasyforagents.com. I have them. But I would never recommend somebody draft a defense solely based off of my rankings. We have the Bears number one uh, in our rankings Because they kind of have to be. They were the best defense in football last year. They are loaded with personnel. Khalil Mack's there. All that stuff. But Ross, why would you draft the Bears week one when they play the Packers? Aaron Rodgers has been the bane of Chicago fans' existence for, for as long as he's been the starting quarterback there. Why would you draft them? Why would you draft the Vikings defense when they play the Falcons in week one? Another popular defense that I see getting drafted in every draft, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Do you know who they play week one, Ross? Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh. If you're going to draft that defense and you're going to drop them before week one or worse, you're going to or you're going to play them against the Chiefs or pick up a second defense, that's a waste of a roster spot to me. So what I always say is wait until the last round or two to draft your defense and draft a defense that has ideally multiple good matchups to open the season or somebody who has an appealing matchup. I'm not saying you want to focus on getting bad defenses just because they have a good matchup, but balance the two. Some of my favorite defenses this year, the Baltimore Ravens open at Miami. On the road, but arguably the worst team in football. The Philadelphia Eagles open at home against the Trent Williams-less Redskins and Case Keenum. You have the Dallas Cowboys, and this is my favorite defense to draft, Ross. The Dallas Cowboys open at home against the Giants, against either Eli Manning or Daniel Jones, most likely Eli. They go on the road to play the Redskins, and then in week number three, they're at home against the Miami Dolphins. Always look at early season schedule when you're drafting a defense. It is the best way to get an advantage. And if you think you're going to get that difference-making defense drafting in the 10th round this year, 
Ask anybody who drafted the Jacksonville Jaguars defense what that did for them last year because it didn't do anything for them, Ross. You are much better off streaming defenses. And when I talk about streaming defenses, dropping them to the waiver wire, picking another one up, that starts for me in week one. I want to draft a defense that I want to stream in week one. That's the defense I'm drafting. Dallas, Philadelphia, Baltimore, those are all among my favorites this year. This is the type of information that Joe's going to give. These have all been excellent tips so far. Speaking of that, by the way, Joe, my guys over at BetQL, they are fantastic in terms of the sharp data they have already for Week 1 NFL games, Week 1 college football. If you want an advantage over the house this fall, just like Joe's giving you an advantage over your bros in the fantasy draft, you got to download the BetQL app, the only app you'll need to make smart bets this season. BetQL's powerful algorithm provides rated best bets each week based off a detailed analysis of recent and historical team trends. If you live in New Jersey or Pennsylvania, you can claim exclusive offers from sports books and use BetQL's data to make the right bets. Head to the App Store or Google Play Store to download BetQL. All right, Joe, what's next? Okay, one of the things that you want to know, Ross, is that not all teams are created equal when it comes to fantasy. And you can just pick that up off the top of your head and say, well, you know, good teams are better than bad teams. That's all true. But more plays run, more value. And I think that's overall pretty simple. But I want people to look at the list of of teams from last year and the plays that they ran and understand why some of these teams might be worth investing in for fantasy. Last year, the team that led the NFL in plays per game was the Baltimore Ravens. They averaged about 71 plays per game. Well, if you're somebody who loves their backfield for obvious reasons, they essentially ran a service academy uh, offense when, when Lamar Jackson took over last year. They ran the ball more than anybody. Well, they also ran at a high pace. The clock wasn't really stopping. 71 plays per game for the Baltimore Ravens. I expect them to be at uh, at a high pace again. And if you love that backfield, I've been drafting Mark Ingram a whole lot this offseason. And very recently, I've started diving in with multiple shares of Justice Hill. Well, you might think, well, that's counterintuitive. If you really like Mark Ingram and you don't, you're not a big fan of handcuffing, which I'm really not uh, early in the season, and you're, and you're drafting Justice Hill, well, why are you drafting both of those guys? Because, Ross, an offense that runs 71 plays per game can support multiple running backs in multiple ways. They ran a ton of plays. More plays, more fantasy opportunities. The New England Patriots were second in the NFL. So I think even if you're buying into the recent camp reports that Sony Michelle's going to get the ball a lot, well, they can support Michelle and James White in that backfield. The Rams at 66 plays per game. There, there's more targets, more carries to go around. On the flip side, you look at teams that didn't run a whole lot of plays last year. Miami and Arizona have new coaching staff, so you kind of want to throw them out and see what might happen there. Uh, But Tennessee, 59 plays per game. That raises alarm bells for me because there's not as many targets to go around for Corey Davis, not as many targets for Deion Lewis, the number two running back, Uh, not as many carries perhaps for Derrick Henry. 
The Chargers ran under 60 plays per game. Their coaching staff is back. They don't have Melvin Gordon. So I want you to understand that if you're drafting a second receiver or a second running back from a team, you want to make sure or at least understand that certain teams are going to run 10 to 15 plays per game more than other teams. And those 10 to 15 plays per game could be the the key between winning or losing that draft pick for you. Yeah. Um, that's a really good point. And that, that's one that I, I don't remember seeing three to five years ago, Joe, that seems like a more recent thing that people have realized the value in just how many snaps these teams get off and I mean, it's, pace, it, it's pace easy, play. right? It's simple. And it, it, if you run more snaps, it's it's more plays. You know, we see snap rate, Ross. Oh, he played 65% of the snaps. But if you play 65% of 100 snaps, that's way more valuable than playing 65% of 50 snaps. No, it's a great point. Uh, do you have any others, Joe? Well, yeah, Ross. And I uh, once again, this is a simple one. Focus on good teams with good offenses. That kind of plays off the previous one. Um, I know there's uh, there was a, a kind of a blowback last year. And I think one of the the things that the public in fantasy would always rebel against is was ranking a Patriots running back high. Oh, we never know what they're going to do. The, the Bill Belichick, he uses five running backs. But there's always somebody who produces because the offense is good. And I think one of those teams I'm looking at this year, Ross, is Philadelphia. When you look at the Eagles and you say, oh, I don't want to draft Miles Sanders because they brought in Jordan Howard and they always have a running back by committee. But, Ross, if the offense is scoring points, somebody is going to produce. So I think it's lazy analysis to say, you know what? This is this this team, this running back situation is a mess. I'm just going to avoid it. I think you want to get guys in messy situations who are on good teams. If you want to avoid a messy situation like with the Titans and you don't know what to do with their pass catching group or you don't know what to do with the Buffalo Bills running back group. I understand that a mediocre to a bad team, but I'm always going to invest in messy situations with good teams because there's value there because if these situations Ross weren't messy, then these guys would be top picks. Imagine if Jordan Howard wasn't in Philadelphia. Where do you think Miles Sanders is getting drafted right now? I mean, second round, third round, he might be going right next to Josh Jacobs with Oakland. And Miles Sanders is almost certainly going to be on a better team with a better offense than than, uh, Josh Jacobs is. So I want to attack messy situations with good teams and avoid them with bad teams. You get a discount for messy situations with a good team. While I think the market usually, they kind of understand messy situations with bad teams a little bit more. Not all messy situations are created equal. Wow, that's an interesting way to look at it. Yeah, the Eagles are an interesting one, Joe. Just because doing their their TV games in the preseason, they just have a lot of good players, man. I mean, they, they you know they've got two legit tight ends. They've got four really good wide receivers they've got at least two running backs that'll play a lot and I'm not convinced that they won't play three or four running backs I mean I don't know how much they're going to use Sproles I even thought last Thursday against the Ravens Corey Clement looked pretty good so I I, I don't know I mean I I think those are ones where people typically I see on Twitter and fantasy analysts will say you don't want running back by committees. We want volume, volume, volume. We want guys that are going to get a lot of touches. How do you know in 
any of those situations. Like Zach Ertz, right? He can't possibly catch as many balls this year, right? No, I mean, you take the under on record-setting performances. I've been saying all, all offseason, Ross, the Kansas City Chiefs could have added prime Jerry Rice to the offense they had last year and literally nothing else changed, and I would take the under on 50 touchdown passes for Patrick Mahomes. It's just it's the smart bet to say regression is coming from record-setting performances. So if you're drafting Zach Ertz, expecting him to catch 112 balls again, I, I'd say you're going to be foolish. But then you have to just look at what's going to be realistic. Okay. If Zach Ertz loses 25% of his of his targets from last year and he still catches 75 passes, how many tight ends are going to catch 75 passes? George Kittle, maybe. Uh, maybe Travis Kelsey, he's probably going to do it. I think you could say Evan Ingram could do it and maybe one or two others, but that's still a hell of a season for Zach Ertz. So you, you want to take the under on record-setting performances, but you don't want to just instantly fade somebody for a record-setting performance or a great performance if their price has adjusted. So I, like Zach Ertz, if, he, if people were expecting him to do what he did last year again, he'd be right up there with Travis Kelsey. He's not. Some might say he's still a little bit too expensive, but taking the under on record-setting performances and fading them entirely, that I mean, I think that's a different story, Ross. Yeah, I think I, I, I think that makes sense. Any other one last tip? Do you have anything else that we need to know before people have their drafts the next couple days or next weekend? Of course, you and I will start next week with giving your thoughts and breakdown of pretty much every fantasy-relevant guy in in each game starting next week on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Going to be fantastic. If you can't already tell, Joe knows his stuff, and he definitely brings the energy and the juice. You got a very good uh, delivery, Joe, and way about you. It's fun. I really appreciate that, Ross. Uh, one of the things I would like to say just to give a, a tip here is understand, especially for some running backs – win loss splits and i think i'm, I'm going to bring this up in reference to marlon mack marlon mack's numbers in his career and it, it can be noisy here because a lot of these losses came in 2017 with the, the old coaching staff but marlon mack's numbers in wins are significantly better than they are in losses and last year in in colts situations where they were trailing Naeem Hines played significantly more snaps than Marlon Mack and I'm going to give a, a, an example from last year for why I, I think it's important to understand the volatility of some running backs Adrian Peterson with the Redskins last year ran for over a thousand yards Ross I would think any any football fan looks at 250 carries for 1,040 yards and seven touchdowns as a pretty damn good season for a running back wouldn't you wouldn't you say that's a good season yes However, you look at it from a fantasy perspective and things start to get a little bit messier for Adrian Peterson because 680 of those 1,042 rushing yards came in their seven wins. 362 of them came in their nine losses. And for a running back like a Marlon Mack, an Adrian Peterson, a Derrick Henry, uh, on the lesser side, maybe a Sony Michelle because the Patriots are so good and they aren't going to be behind all that much. It's important to recognize that these guys who aren't going to catch a whole lot of passes 
are going to be very, very hard to play and to support in a game in which the the team that they play on is a, is a uh, betting underdog. So a team like Washington, a team like the Colts now that Andrew Luck has retired, I'm expecting to see situations in which they're six, seven, eight point underdogs. Same with Tennessee. I would avoid playing guys like that when they're heavy underdogs because that's going to be a winning bet more often than not. And that's why in fantasy, not just do we look for pass catches because we call them calorie rich catches, calorie rich touches where a lot of fantasy points are gotten. But if the guy can't catch the ball and isn't going to be out there when the team is losing, then you're going to get a goose egg. And that's that's a really important stat to look at. And that's something more to focus on when we're in season. But running backs who don't catch the ball from bad teams, those are almost always fades on draft day. Excellent work, Joe. I love it. Your tips right on. That helped a lot of people last year. That's why you're number one. Speaking of number one, there's other ways to become number one, like Joe Dolan. You go ahead and you use PFF analytics to optimize every draft pick, trade offer, and DFS lineup. It's PFF Fantasy. Sign up at pff.com and use promo code PFF25 to save 25% on your order. They've got all of the matchup tools, data-driven projections. Sit back and follow Jeff Ratcliffe's expert rankings all season long. Again, go to pff.com, use promo code PFF25 to save 25% for a limited time. That will do it for today's Fantasy Feast Eaton Podcast. We will be back next week. Typical schedule will be episode number one on Tuesday, episode number two on Wednesday. Get excited, people. It's all finally happening next week, just like we always have. We will have our projections for every fantasy-relevant dude, courtesy of my guy, Joe. Other than that, I'm stuffed. We're done. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Feast podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker football podcast, Even Money, Business of Sports, and the College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found. The last thing that I want to make sure everybody knows is there's other places where you can take this advice, not just winning your fantasy league. You can go to betonline.ag, use the promo code PODCAST1 for the 50% welcome bonus. Why not, right? Podcast one at betonline.ag. Bet week one college football. Go ahead and bet week four NFL preseason for the real degenerates out there. Week one college football. You can even listen to College Draft Podcast and be all over that. Should be awesome. Betonline.ag. Promo code podcast one.